Hello and welcome to this, the sixth Cap Gemini training podcast. In this session, we're going to be talking about training evaluation. I'm Clive Barber and I'm going to be joined by my colleagues Mark Holden, Molly Button and John Reeve. We're all part of Cap Gemini's BTC Business Transformation Consulting Practice. Okay, I think then to start off with, what do we actually mean by training evaluation? Good point. So basically, training evaluation is a process where you actually analyse how successful your training programme has actually been. So has it been effective and efficient? Have people learnt what they needed to learn or acquired the relevant skills or have the correct attitudes to actually do the activities that you want them to do? And then on top of that, it's it's about have people put the learning into practice when they go back to the workplace? And then has the training had a positive impact on on the work they do and then finally on the organization they work in. Now we tend to follow a particular model of evaluation. Does anybody want to fill us in what that is? Generally the one that's mostly used is uh, the Kirkpatrick model. Indeed, Donald Kirkpatrick, he was a professor of the University of Wisconsin. Ah, Wisconsin, the cheese state. Is that right? It is because Green Bay Packers are known as cheese heads and because I knew we were talking about Mr. Kirkpatrick and, and his links to Wisconsin, I thought I'd have a look. And did you know yesterday, literally yesterday, they're putting forward that Colby cheese, which I've never heard of, should become the official cheese of Wisconsin? Funnily enough, I didn't know that, no. Can we pivot this into being a cheese podcast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the next one we do. Right, so Kirkpatrick, bringing it I'm going to stop you there, uh, Mark. Stop you talking about cheese and American football because you'll go on forever if we let you. So basically, this his uh, model goes back to about 1959. It was updated twice in 75 and again in 1993. So it, it looks at four different ways of... Is it four different ways of doing... Or levels. Levels of yeah. evaluation. So we've got the reaction, the learning, behaviour and results. So the reaction is, did people find the training engaging did they think it was good and relevant and, and were they satisfied so that's that's kind of the happy sheets at the end of the course right yeah yep. then the learning one is where you actually try and analyze whether the they've acquired the knowledge and the skills and the attitude that you wanted them to acquire as part of the learning are they confident in doing what what you've asked them to do and then are, are they kind of giving a commitment to putting the what they've learned into practice so how, how would we actually measure that second level the learning level so generally that'd be sort of on on course assessments uh quizzes tests that sort of thing generally yeah absolutely i think there's there's a certain element of uh trainer observation as well i think so trainers will generally identify if someone is struggling with the material or not keeping up and they might be identified as someone that might need some additional learning attention outside of the more formalized assessment yes i agree and i I think that's something that people don't tend to sort of use quite quite a lot so I think automatically you need to test but people in the training room as a, as a trainer or somebody else that's helping out with the training they can actually spot whether people have got the capability or whether they're struggling and maybe can recommend some further action. Just as a, as a more general point I suppose it maybe is worth mentioning that you can look at this um, at the different levels of Kirkpatrick as applying to the overall uh, learning um, intervention or you could look at it from an individual point of view as well so it could be that something hits the spot perfectly for person A but is totally not the right thing for person B. Mm-hmm. So it might be then that you just need to think of different ways to present the training or make sure that everyone can access and understand it yeah, um, exactly. in the right way for them. Yeah, yeah. Getting into learning styles then, aren't we? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? I'm not sure I believe in learning styles. Oof, controversial. 
It is controversial, isn't it? The real reason I don't believe in learning styles is because I think you've got so little time in the classroom or little time in corporate training for people to, to commit to training that everything needs to be as experiential as possible. I People need to get hands-on and actually kind of do the thing that they're going to be required to do back in the workspace. And I think you should apply to that to every piece of learning you ever do. That's all very fine for those who are very comfortable jumping up and down and getting involved with the more physical and more, I suppose, extrovert activities. But for your introverts, your theorists, they're not going to be happy with that. They're not going to really learn very well from that. I think you've got to recognize those those guys and give them a little manual, a little thing they can refer to of some sort, uh, even if it's just a quick reference guide that they can refer to post-training. I'd certainly agree with having something available post-training as well. So you basically you try and cover all the bases. And I think what you're saying with a, you know, a guide for afterwards is, is you absolutely have to do that anyway because you need to leave some certainly from project work that we do you need to leave something behind so the the training will last as as long as it as it needs to if i can throw in a, a another view then I, I think it's just about mixing things up a little bit so in a classroom session you just need to keep people engaged is is pretty much crucial to making it work so to do that i think you need to just vary the different things that are being thrown at people so sometimes you might need them to get up on their feet and do stuff just to keep them energized and keep them engaged absolutely and i think we, we we talked about in the delivery piece about you know changing the activity at least every 45 minutes if you're doing classroom stuff just to keep people's interest and engagement but yeah absolutely critical yeah all i was thinking was bringing this back to sort of evaluation i guess when you're looking within an organization you need to know which of these the things we've been talking about what works and what doesn't for you because whilst certain organizations might have certain views of what works for them it might be an like an outmoded idea. So again, I've been places where they think classroom's the way to go. It's only classroom. But actually, when you go and put something else in front of them, even something as simple as e-learning, then they can begin to evaluate that. Actually, that is more fit for purpose than maybe what than what they're used to. Definitely. Um, we've encountered that recently in a, in a client that we're working with, um, whereby we were told specifically, oh, no, no e-learning. We just want classroom. And uh, we pushed back and actually put some e-learning out there. And uh, it was actually really, really effective. And I think they were quite surprised as to how effective it was for them. One aspect that plays into that is the frequency of use of the system. So if it's a system that they only use once every few months, then perhaps they need something like e-learning to be able to get a refresher on it. If it's something they're going to be doing every day of their working lives, then then the, the experience of doing it is part of the learning and they're not going to get that skills fade that you would maybe get if you don't use a system for a, a, an extended period. We're kind of moving away from evaluation here and, and obviously I, I totally agree with what you say, but hopefully what you've done is you've done a, a, a training needs analysis and a training strategy so you know by now that you've, um, you're, you're delivering training in, in the right way. So did we get up to level three yet, which is the behaviour level? Can I actually go back? Go on then. Can we talk about level one? It's not going to be cheese again, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not about no. It's not about cheese. But I think the reaction. You know, some of the people out. I think our our. You know, some people out there um, may think literally level one is all there is. That all you need to do is evaluate people as they sat there um, when they're doing. You know, during the classroom training. That you know. Did you find it any good? Yes. Right. End of story. And I think what we need to do is, is move people away from that. And as you say, we've obviously talk, we've already talked about level two and moving on to level three. But people need to be aware that there is more than your happy sheets and they need to be looking in a lot more detail. Otherwise, they're really going to be missing out on what's actually working and not working. Yeah, they might have loved the training, but not learn anything so if you just measure yeah, yeah I'm, they're, I'm, they're really really happy at the end of the session they've they've had a great time they love the trainer 
they've learned nothing. Yeah, good point. Level three, then, is the behaviour level. So that is where you try and measure or analyse whether the knowledge, the skills and the attitude people have acquired through the training has actually been applied back in the workplace. So that's the next level. So you've got your happy sheets, you've got your testing to see if they've learnt it. And then the third level is to say, well, has that behaviour from the classroom been applied back in the place of work? So this one is is where it starts to get harder to measure. So the, the reaction and the learning you can measure through some kind of metric, through um, a scored assessment or through a, a gauged feedback sheet. But the behaviour is a bit harder to put a pin in. Also, with, with the first two, you can, you can do those quite easily as part of the training. So you can do your happy sheets at the end of the course or you can get people to complete an online evaluation. You can also test them, whether it's sort of a recognised sit-down books away test or, or you know less organized than that but this one you have to do at a later stage because you have to give people time to go back to the workplace and to do some practice so with this one you need to then go back at a later date and probably speak to managers probably speak to the people and see how successful it has actually been and a key thing as well before you do any of your training before you do any of your evaluation if you're going to do level three or level four you have to have a very very clear idea of what you want your training to actually achieve what behaviors skills attitudes etc do you want people to exhibit post that training and if you've got that you can have then something that you can more easily measure um, thinking back to when I've done level three evaluation at a previous organization what we were doing was bringing in an HR self-service system basically the previous system that they were using the problem that they had that they were trying to solve was that people didn't like the previous system they weren't using it and they were using all sorts of paper-based back of a fact packet based um, methods of, uh, of evaluation um, and they wanted a consistent approach to it and because it was all online they could very easily measure how many people had set up their pdps online etc etc so what we were aimed for was for i think over 95 percent of people to uh, have actually completed their pdps online by a certain date and uh, so that was a very very easy behavior to measure against level four then is the results level now this one's probably the most difficult to actually analyze and to record so this is all about the targeted outcomes of the training. So based on your objectives of the training, the ones that are on the business terms, has the training actually affected the bottom line for the company at the end of the day? And that's really difficult to get there. So I was just going to add to that, that uh, I think sometimes you need to be careful about whether the business benefits are achieved as a result of the training directly or as a result of the the, the wider change that's being implemented. Um, so it's good to have that distinction because uh, you could have perfect training on a bad product and then you probably won't achieve those required results but the training would maybe not be at fault for it and and vice versa potentially it is an incredibly difficult thing to do because you're going to have everybody that's involved in that business change will be taking some some level of of credit and again it's the one that is most infrequently measured to be honest because simply we don't do a lot of it because we're, you know, we've moved off, moved on from the project before that project hits. That said, wouldn't it be lovely if we were invited back in to actually measure those um, business benefits of, of training that actually took place? Yeah, that would be great. And uh, But I think what's uh, the, the difficulty with that is often that it's hard to do retrospectively because you, you may want to measure the benefits. But if you haven't got a, a benchmark and you haven't got a clearly stated objective from from day one, then it's, it's difficult to say whether that required outcome has been achieved or not so you have to be thinking about it right from the start of the project if you're going to be able to measure that definitely you you really need that i witter on about objectives 
properly written objectives with a behavior, a standard and a condition that are all business focused as well. So what are you trying to achieve by the training? And then do your objectives actually help you get there and justify the training? So it's that whole thing about that if you've got a properly written objective, A, you can use it as a test at the end of the course as well because it's measurable. And B, the objective should give you a fairly clear inkling as to what the business benefits are that you're trying to achieve. It's testing a form of evaluation. As in, I'm talking about, you know, the, the quizzes that we would do at the end of the training. Yeah, is, isn't that the um, the level two that we were talking about? Yeah, and I think it's really one of the best and, and safest ways of, of actually meeting that learning evaluation requirement. So people do people know the things you've asked them to do? I think it's important to include that in wherever possible in virtual learning as well as classroom learning too. Then e-learning before where I've put all the quizzes and tests as part of it with a pass score and you've got something measurable that you can give the client at the end of the session as well. You might sometimes want to tie that into security and system access as well so it may be that you don't want to give people access to a new system until they've demonstrated some level of competency and capability. Yeah it's, it's whether or not the client wants it to be if you like an official test or whether it's just something, you know, for, for the individual, as you say. And actually, that's one of the key things, isn't it? If it is an official test, you've got to let people know that up front. No, totally. Because otherwise, totally. you know, some people might freeze if they suddenly realise, right, if you don't pass this and get 90%, you're not getting access to your system. And, oh, if you can't get access to your system, you can't do your job. Yeah, that kind of signpost is really important. Do you think it is ever okay not to evaluate training? If it's really small scale. And also, it may be that your customer or your organisation just simply isn't interested, really. And it kind of, kind of begs the question, why would you bother if nobody's interested? But, but I guess I think you probably always need to. Even if the uh, evaluation of the training is, is purely anecdotal um, and less of a formal, structured evaluation, I think you should still... Um, have some degree of confidence that the training has actually done its job. So I think you maybe don't need the formalised levels of it, but you, you definitely need to do something around it. Which leads actually quite nicely to my next question. So what is in it for the trainer or a course designer? If, you, if you're going on to a similar project, so let's say it's an SAP project that you've done in one place, then it gives you the confidence to know that you're basically doing the right thing. And therefore, you can then go and not necessarily reuse the materials, but at least the principles you can reuse. Whereas if you're not doing any evaluation then you're going in blind, you might just be going in and continually making the same mistakes. It can also feed into the project that you're um, you're currently working on as well. So if you're midway through the delivery cycle and you're checking your feedback as you go along and saying, well, hang on a minute, um, these people are coming back and saying they don't like this, they're not learning from that, um, this isn't appropriate to their work, etc. You can go back and actually make tweaks to your training content at that point as well. And also I guess the thing is you, you, you're not just evaluating a delegate. If you're doing evaluation properly, you're evaluating whether the, the you know, the training has hit the mark, whether the delegate is capable. You're also evaluating the trainer and the training course, if it's online maybe, but you're also kind of evaluating the whole training programme as to whether that's been a success. So certainly from a trainer's perspective, I, I want to be able to prove to my boss that I've done what they asked me to do. So how do we evaluate online or, or other digital training methods? So I think for the level one and level two, it's relatively straightforward. So if you want to gauge the reaction of a, a learner, then you can perhaps have a link to an online survey or you can have built into the course at the end of it a feedback sheet that we can just collate in a in a form. Likewise, the assessment, you can have an assessment built into the system that will react to how the person has done and provide a, a score at the end of it. 
Um, and it might be that they can't proceed until they've completed a certain module, that kind of thing. When you get into the further levels, then um, for the online learning itself, it's going to be impossible to, to gauge at the time because they haven't had the opportunity to put anything into practice. They haven't had the opportunity to have a, a beneficial outcome on the on the company. So you can only really do those levels one and two at the time. So you would need something additional if you wanted to go any further beyond that. What methods of evaluation have you guys used? So use the um, online forms at the end, paper-based forms. Also created an Excel-based questionnaire uh, that I sent out to people post-course where there was an organization that they weren't allowed to access uh, online uh, forms. They basically filled in this uh, questionnaire online for the level three on an Excel spreadsheet and sent it back to me. Did you do that at, at a later stage than the level three? It was, yeah. Yeah, I left it a few months down the line and uh, sent out a questionnaire to a selection of the people who attended the training um, just uh, to, to gauge how they were actually using the, what they'd learned and whether they'd changed their behaviors. Yeah, and I think I've done I've done the level three, and what I've what I've actually done is when I was a training manager, so I wasn't a consultant at the time. Did a massive program of sales and customer service training about our products and and the marketplaces we sell into. So that was quite easily quantifiable, really, because I was I was on site, I was in the company, and you could actually measure quite easily and quantifiably the level of, of sales that, that the sales and the sales support people were, were actually achieving after they'd left the training simply by talking to managers or the people involved. So one, one similar thing that uh, we've done in a few projects is um, as part of the broader change program, we've implemented a change network of super users, champions, whatever, whatever the preferred term is. And they then act as a bit of a conduit back into the program team to feedback on whether there's uh, whether people are adopting the behaviors for level three effectively um, so so just having those kind of tendrils uh, you know looping out into the into the wider business can be useful just to get some sort of feedback sometimes it's about just leaving behind a bit of a legacy that will monitor that after the project is finished because as we tend to work on a project basis then then once the training has been delivered we, we tend to be out the door so what type of questions should we be asking for level one i think you can break it up into different categories so there's going to be an aspect an element of it that's around the delivery itself so a little bit about how the trainer presented the content did the trainer know what they were talking about were they able to deal with questions effectively so that's all around the trainer then there's probably a bit that's about the course content was the content fit for purpose was it you know professionally put together did it have the right mix of presentation and hands-on and role play or whatever else you've incorporated into it you might also want to capture some information about the the environment so does you know was the training room good enough because that's all part of the the whole experience so did they have the tools they needed in the room you know was it was it a comfortable environment to learn in those kind of things relevance to role as well in terms of the training that's got to be a key thing i think yeah it's a difficult one isn't it because we we often have to um put a number of different roles in the classroom at the same time so that that is always going to be problematic i think a key thing as well is not to have too many questions in it because it's almost like at the end of the day people are wanting to get away <laughs> get, get out the room and uh if you give them a, a questionnaire that's three pages long then yeah then they're not going to be overly pleased so it's got to be quite focused in terms of what are the key things that you need to know and ultimately it's really did they learn what they needed to learn i think and was it delivered in a good way one thing that i think you will find is that the level one questions can be fairly standardized so it might be that you would apply the same questions to multiple different um, courses because they'll be sort of relatively generic types of feedback whereas the level two absolutely has to come back to what the content is for the course and then that has to feed into the objectives of the course and then that has to work back from what were the overall business 
uh, goals of the course. So I think a lot of it, as I've probably said on some of the previous podcasts, is about understanding what your end goal is and then working backwards from there when you're developing the, 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 the learning material. The other thing with evaluation is pretty much every organization uses the Kirkpatrick model. There's a lot of information online about Donald Kirkpatrick's four levels. So I'd encourage people to um, to dive into the online and um, get information from there. Well, that concludes this episode on training evaluation. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about post-go-live support. Thanks for listening, and I hope you all join us next time. Mm-hmm.